I had so many people that was like, oh, I've always wanted to buy a house. I just didn't know how. Been living in the same rental property, David, for 20 years. They didn't know how to buy a house. Mm. Working at the hospital in the cafeteria. Been having the same job for over a decade, right? Those are the kind of people that I'm interested in being able to help. And three, two, one. You're listening to The Real Social Proof Podcast with Mr. Sleepers for Suckers himself, David Shand. Let's get it. Welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast where we find dope people that did dope stuff and we starting to bring people back because the last time you were here, you were already like killing it in Forbes and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Was that Forbes magazine? No, Black Enterprise. Black Enterprise. Was Black Enterprise. Yeah. Same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not really. But um, Black Enterprise for um, being the only woman in Louisiana um, Black woman to be a developer. Of mixed-use communities. Of mixed-use communities. Yes. What does that mean? So mixed-use means that I blend different type of real estate industries together. So for instance, um, in our community, we have commercial, we have multifamily, we have residential. Um, and so the concept of a mixed-use community is to eat, sleep, work, and play. And so we build smart communities for co- for individuals to be able to have accommodations all within one place. Eat, sleep, work, and play. So yeah. when you're, so but I just, just got to lay the foundation because like some people build houses yeah. and some people build um, kind of apartment complexes, yeah. but you built the whole community. Right. Like you get a, okay, so walk me through the one you're building right now. Okay. How many acres is it maybe? It's 15 acres. So 15 acres. Mm-hmm. And what do you have to do with the 15 acres? So, well, it's 15 acres in the back, and then we have an additional 15 acres in the front that we're going to be developing, but that's going to be all commercial in Mm. the front. So a total of 30 acres collectively. So the first step I would say with becoming a real estate developer is making sure that whenever you find a blank piece of land, to me, it's like a blank canvas, right? You're able to see how you're going to put the roads in. You'll be able to see this community inside your head of how you want your houses and what they're supposed to look like and the type of design these homes are supposed to have. And, you know, um, all the way from the best use of the community, like how can I make this community an engaging community where I'm not just putting homes on a piece of dirt. I want to be able to make sure that people within the community actually utilize the surrounding areas within the community, Mm -hmm. right? And so that's why we put in, you know, multifamily. And then we have um, a, um, we have the commercial aspect where we're going to bring in a coffee shop and a grocery store and we're going to bring in health care and all of these different type of things. Well, people within communities need those type of things. So it makes it very easy and accessible for them to be able to have. We also develop in underserved communities where this is one of the greatest needs. They don't have access to healthy food options. They don't have access to good health care. You know, um, a lot of them are on transportation. And so what we do is we take that particular income that those individuals in, and most people say, oh, that's affordable housing, but we don't use any type of government assistance. We use our own money. And so I call what do it- you mean, What do you mean? 
Explain that. You don't use any type of government assistance. Yeah, so a lot of the times when you hear the word affordable, that's subsidized with some type of assistance from the government, whether it be Hold grants. on real quick, because Joe doesn't really know what subsidized means. Yes. <laughs> so explain subsidized to yes. Joe real quick. Yeah, so subsidized mean a portion of the project that the government um, would be involved in. They would be able to have a certain type of control of income brackets, um, the type of people um, that um, they would approve, right? Like you got to have a certain ratio balance. Um, Subsidized simply means you're getting something from the government and you're agreeing to the terms of whatever it means for them to give you that money. Hold on. So subsidized means the government will give you money and they got to approve the type of people? They well, and they don't, it's not so much the type of people, they do it through qualifications, right? And so the reason why I don't do subsidize is because I believe it keep in um, it keep communities um, with their finger with their thumbs on it, right? So I don't ever want to be told by the government how much rent I can um, charge in the community, um, how much I can sell my properties for. I don't ever want them to have that much power. I don't want them to tell me how much vacancy has to be allocated to them. Those are those are the type of control things that they have. Now, subsidize is needed, right, through the Section 8 program. Hold on. This okay, this is a whole <laughs> nother thing for me. So the there are certain parts of the country or the places where the government decides how much you can sell a house for or how much Yeah, it's rent control, yeah. Yeah, it's rent control, it's income-based control. Yes, absolutely. So when you see the housing projects, that's subsidized, okay? And the government controls, if you make too much money, you cannot live there, okay? So it's going to always be a particular set of individuals with certain income brackets that qualify to remain exactly right there in that community. What do you think about that, though? Because on one hand, yes, people who make a lot of money shouldn't take up all the housing for yeah. cheap. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you're kind of grouping a certain type of person together, which mm-hmm. maybe if that was the case, okay, let me ask mm-hmm. you this. Say I want to develop a community and I said, okay, well, it's affordable housing. Mm-hmm. And we're going to build out this building. We'll call it a project. <laughs> it's a, that's what, like projects, right? Yeah, government right. housing, yeah. So government housing, but I can decide that I'm going to build a institute for learning or entrepreneurship or whatever in a building right across the street so that I can start filtering those people into like, I can put education around them. I can decide mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. you but totally can. Are there certain governments that will not even allow that particular system? Like yeah, everybody, we need gun stores and pawn shops. Yeah. And that's what we're going to put here. Yeah, no. So no, no, not in that aspect. Um, I would say that what they care about is what they put their money in. So if you take money from them, you have to follow their rules. Mm. Okay. You can't sell for a certain period of time. Like you literally at the mercy of them, I would say in a sense, because I like to be able to say, well, if I want to sell my portfolio in year one, I don't want to have to wait five years because the government gave me a dollar. Now you ask me, how do I feel about, you know, subsidized or affordable housing or whatever the case may be? 
I am um, I know the pain points because I lived on the housing program. I had Section 8. I had I had welfare. I had food stamps. I had everything that the government could give. And I do believe that it is a stepping stone for some to be able to utilize those resources to build themselves up. So after Hurricane Katrina, I didn't have no money. I didn't have anything. Right. So I needed Section 8. I needed that help in hand. The problem is it makes people lazy as well, right? They rely on the government to pay their bills every single month and to provide them with health care and to do all of these different things. And so I'll give you an example. Um, me and some of my family members, I'm not going to call them out, but um, after Hurricane Katrina, we all had the same starting line. If you will, if you look at it, right? FEMA said, here is some money to you. Here's some money to you. And here's some money to you. You all got the same exact amount of money. Okay. We all was on section eight. We all was on welfare. We all had food stamps. Like we all had, we were on the same playing field. The problem was I was aggravated that we were left in the city for three days. And I said, I'll never rely on the government again to get me out of nowhere. I'm going to fly the next time a hurricane come, right? Well, I look at my, um, my family members who had the same exact, the same exact amount of money, the same circumstances. And I look at them now and they still in the same position, mm. um, relying on the government to take care of their bills. They're healthy. They're able to work. There's nothing wrong with them mentally. Like they're fully capable of it. Right. The difference is I think we get so um, comfortable Right. With others being providers. And I just I think it cripples a lot of people within the community. Mm. And so it's not that I'm against affordable housing and are subsidized. I just believe we have a lot of lazy people that's on the program that just wants to remain on the system. Um, they call that hood rich. Right. Mm. I just don't believe in that. I believe we're hustling backwards. And so um, I believe for me, when I go in these communities, I'm not just building, I'm educating, you know, um, I'm bringing them along for the ride. They get to see somebody who looked like them be able to birth communities where you put your children's name on the street signs and they'd be like, wow, I didn't even know you can do that. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, you can. So I just like for to um, see things in a different way. All right. So I feel like I got a solution. Okay. We built, what's so funny, Joe? <laughs> Like we get some acres of land. So in, in the 15 acres, right? Mm -hmm. What do you have there? What's how many yes. how many streets? How many streets is there? We have um five streets. Five streets. Yeah, okay. one of them named after Drew Brees. Really? Yes. You decided to do that? Yeah. Yo, something about man, <laughs> New Orleans and football. Oh my gosh. I did an event in Louisiana one time. I will never do it again during football season. Why? Nobody can. <laughs> Nope, y'all. It was literally four people there. Like, y'all ready to learn? I'm like, okay, we don't we don't do events in football season, in Louisiana. Okay, no, we love it. Yeah. So five streets. What all is going in this community? Okay, so in this community, we're gonna put 21 single family homes. Mm -hmm. um, and how many you got right now? Right now we have four. Well, we're starting on the fourth one, but we have four. And then we have four more that's scheduled next, like next week to start the plats and um, the breaking of it. Gotcha. Because when you came last time, which you had just acquired the property? Last time I came, we were going through the um, the um, zoning process mm -hmm. to finish out all of the approvals of what we needed because we were replatting the community to be mixed use. Mm -hmm. They wanted it to just be residential, which residential... 
um, it's not the best use for this community, not for a developer wow. and not for people in the community. Wow. Well, because oh, because you can't eat. You can right. only you can only sleep. sleep. That's yeah. it. <laughs> that's it. Because you want to eat, sleep, work, and play. That's right. Yes, I want to bring jobs. I want people to have access to healthy foods. Um, I want like the, in in these communities, it's important that you don't shy away from what you know should be there because it is a lot cheaper for me to build 50 homes in this community and be out as opposed to me squeezing almost 200 doors back here, right? And when I say squeezing, it's comfortable, right? We have a 50-unit apartment complex. We got 68 townhomes. We got 21 homes. We have a 10,000-square-foot commercial parcel of land that's going to be, you know, for a grocery store and a coffee shop and, you know, things that's going to enrich the community right there because that's what they need. 21 homes, 50 townhomes. 68 townhomes. 68 townhomes. Depending on absorption, we may we may switch that um, and add more housing. So we may have, you know, um, 60 housings and offset the, the townhouse living. It just depends on the absorption in that particular area because they're both the same type of use when you're going to sell. It's just absorption means which one is selling faster and meeting the demand of the people that's looking for something at gotcha. that time. So there's no difference in the, the um, maybe the aesthetics of the community or anything like that. Right. It's just which one people want prefer. That's right. Single, okay, gotcha. Right. And then a 50-unit apartment complex. Yes, yes. And how, are you, how do you price? How do you price this stuff? So you do it in phases with a feasibility study. And so we have a feasibility study for single family. We have a feasibility study for um, multifamily. We have one for the townhouses. We have one for commercial. Then we have one general with all of it as one big picture. And the feasibility study gives us our projections of, you know, where we should be, how much money we're looking to make in quarter one and quarter two and quarter three and quarter four. Um, it lets us know if the market is keeping up with our absorption, if we're building too many, if we need to slow down. Um, I mean, keep up with it that way. How much, how much is this projected to cost? So um, before wood pricing, Mm-hmm. And the economy went where it was. It was 15 million. We're about 21 million now. So 21 million. Yeah. So if I get 21 million dollars, I can build a community. Yeah, and put your children's name on it. And put my kids' names on the streets. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's cool. Bro. Yeah. Do anything you want. All right. So here's my solution. Okay. So let me ask you. Okay, real quick. It's 21 million to build it. Mm-hmm. What do you stand? To don't ask my profit, David. I know you're about to ask me. Why wouldn't I ask you your profit? <laughs> so what would you say in the game? Well, I mean, like, what is what's the I mean, it's not just you, it doesn't yeah. all go in your pocket, but like yeah. well, let the me investors. just say this. So um we have angel investors. Let's say you invested a hundred thousand dollars into this project. Um, we're looking at a return of two hundred and fifty percent on that hundred thousand dollars. Twenty one million <laughs> times two hundred. That's 41. So, uh, oh, yeah. Okay. All right. I feel like I could do that. You know what I mean? You get 21 It's projected, you know, but give me I mean, dollars. yeah, I mean, it's projected, but let's just say, let's just say worst case. And this is what I tell all investors, right? Everything is a risk, right? Mm-hmm. But the reason why that this is so good is because we're buying in the opportunity zone. So our capital gains is. We're we're gonna. That's why we're building multifamily because one, it helps the community, but we also get to sit on this project even longer. So it's a whole vehicle for opportunity. You get to sit on it longer. What do you mean? Meaning that I don't need to sell it. 
Oh, I see. Yeah. So normally whenever we develop communities, you know, whatever's left over when we get to the 25 percent stage, we're usually unloading it and we're into another community. Well, with this one being that it's in an opportunity zone and it's a catalyst for other opportunity zone projects, we will sit and hold this because we know I just said. You just I just told you the 250 percent return. Well, if we sit here for 10 years because we started at the beginning of when um, President Trump first announced the opportunity zones, all of our capital gains that we would have to pay on this project would be eliminated. Mm. So we would literally have this this community to be performing for the next, you know, we have about maybe seven years left within it. And when we finish with it, if we decide to sell, we won't be taxed on the capital gains, right? So when you say you sell, you sell the whole community. Yeah, we sell whatever inventory is left. So like a developer, another developer come in and say, look, I need, you know, um, and it's if they keep the opportunity zones, which I hope they do because it helps inner city communities, especially with the type of um, system I have in place, you know. Um, but if I get to the point, let's just say, you know, after my 10 year period or whatever, another investor want to come in and purchase it. If the opportunities on the initiative is still moving forward, then they're able to dump in their capital gains. And then it continues to keep the community up. The community is now receiving money that it has not received in decades. Gotcha. So that's the beauty of it. So whenever we look at returns, you know, um, and the reason why we make so much is because one, it is in an opportunity zone. So our capital gains is a huge um, benefit. The second thing is this property is um, they're peanuts, right? Nobody want to buy it because it's in areas where you don't really see people buying. And so property values are very, very, very low, you know? Um, and when you come in and you build a mixed use community, such as, you know, the one that we're doing, well, our returns are going to be extremely high. If our average cost per lot on 200 lots, let's just say 200 is a thousand dollars allocated per lot, do you know my bill costs with my lot costs? I'm in like less than a hundred K if that, you know, per lot, if, if things remain the same. Mm. So mm-hmm. how much are you selling the houses for now? Oh, affordable. So our homes start at 169 mm. and the highest that we sell in this community is 189. Mm. We wanted to start at 150 because that's where the sweetness at, right? Mm. That's where everybody needs it. But when lumber pricing went up, it oh, knocked yeah, that sure. completely out the, you know, the value. We couldn't do it, yeah, you know. Sure. But um, at 169, as soon as we, soon as we break ground, they are going like this. This is a community where people said nobody's ever going to buy. This is a community that's been sitting dormant for over 12 years. I came in and I was like, you know what? This is disgusting. Was it just land or they had yeah, houses, had yeah. houses on there? No, uh-uh. it didn't have anything on there. It was, it was just land. They had some old roads that we had to go, like we have to do these roads, right? Um, but it was, um, I mean, it was filled with debris, David. Like it had tires and, you know, all type of um, things you will find in an abandoned community, right? Um, and it was, it was one where they just used it as a dump. Mm. All right, so here's my plan. Okay. So, if I get some land, mm-hmm. I'm going to build some affordable housing, right? So, it might be a pro- like project housing. You want to build a project housing? I want to build a project. So, you want to work with the government? Maybe. Okay. Kind of. Walk me through this. I don't know. Okay. So, 
let's say the government gives me money to build affordable housing, a project building, a mm-hmm. hundred people stay mm-hmm. in that joint, right? Mm-hmm. But in the community, the other stuff I'm going to put is all empowering. Mm-hmm. So it might be a really inexpensive gym, mm-hmm. um, a community entrepreneurship center, um, healthy food options. It's not super expensive, but I think that's how we can kind of put people here mm-hmm. because of their circumstances, but develop them because I'm a real big advocate for improving the community or the environment that you're around. Mm-hmm. I think I just solved the problem to black. Well, let me ask you a question. Poverty. Let me ask you a question though. So why do you need the government to do that? I know what you're thinking. How the heck do you make money from a podcast? Is David just doing this podcast because he likes it or there's a heavily monetized strategy attached to it? Well, it's both. I really love talking and interviewing people and getting free game from really successful people. But also, um, this is a seven-figure podcast. I'm telling you right now, there's so much money in podcasting and we're early in the space. I really feel like it's 2009 and I'm telling you to buy Bitcoin. I'm right now telling you to start podcasting because in five, 10 years, it's skyrocketing. Those are the names that are going to be the ones who have the voices in our world, the ones that start a podcast right now, okay? So I put together everything I know about podcasting in an easily digestible program, okay? So go to podcastersblueprint.com and you know I got to give you all some love, okay? Enter code social proof. I'm taking 20% off so you can get your voice heard, all right? So this podcast that you're loving and enjoying, there's other people that's going to love and enjoy yours too, okay? Podcastersblueprint.com. Let's get back to the episode. Because it's like Robin Hood. I'm taking from the rich and I'm taking the money from the government and pouring it into the people. And who money do the government have? Our money, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Dang, that's deep. But I mean, so how would you go about it? I mean, I think that's a great idea, right? And that's what we're doing, right? So you're creating the type of community that's going to empower them to get from that community, right? Mm. I believe in subsidized. I don't want you to think I don't. I just believe we can do it without the government having so much control over our money. The moment, you know, I I think for me, the moment... I know I am not in 100% control of my project where I'm putting majority of the money, then I'm probably not going to want to do that deal because I have to get permission to be able to make certain type of decisions. Mm. I don't want permission from the government. Um, I think they have a lot of, you know, projects where minds shouldn't matter much, right? Um, But I just don't believe that every project that, um, and honestly, the word affordability, everybody think affordable housing ties to the government, but we're really building it without the government. That's why I was like, no, we're building um, economy-friendly properties. (laughs) Where are you the money from? So um, myself, my partners, um, other investors, just regular people. And then I created, of course, you know, Salt Capital, which is a real estate crowdfunding platform in Louisiana, where we um, where we utilize um, funds through that platform to be able to do other projects as well. But to be honest, our real estate crowdfunding platform have only funded two of those projects. We have literally used all of our own money to be able to do it. Remember, the bank said we're not giving you money in this area, Terrica, because we just don't believe in it. Okay. Mm. Well, now the banks are saying, oh, 
they're selling really fast. You know, we'll give you one, right? We'll we'll give you one loan, Terrica. We'll give it to you at 7% um, and um, six-month term. Mm. Like, I do that myself. I don't need that, <laughs> right? Now, if I look at the longevity of the relationship, I said, well, if I do do this with you and it's a success, will you give me 10 at a time? They said, it's possible. So then I said, oh, okay, maybe it's worth considering it. When you say they're going to give you one, they'll, they'll, one, they'll put a mortgage on one of the houses. Well, they'll, yeah, they'll, on one of the lots for me to build one house. Gotcha. For them to test it out. After they seen the proven concept of all of the properties we put up and they're selling and then we're starting for more without them. Mm. That means if we putting up this much money and you have a hard time and you know how much the money is from the bank? $120,000, if that. So what's the point? Yeah, right. But the point is with the with OPM, other people money, I can do a, a whole lot more. But because it's my money and because it's my partner's money, we're able to do four or five at a time because we still have a lot of other projects going on through SALT. Mm. Dang. All right, so look, I'm going to ask you, because I'm not going to go to the government. I'm just going to come to you. I need $21 million, okay? Would you hold me down? Just so I got a vision. It's going to work. I got to see the land. All right. If I, buy, if I buy some dope land. See, so to me, money is not, like, that's a piece of paper. Mm-hmm. That is one of the easiest things to get and do, right? So, like, for instance. But you need $21 million of those pieces of paper, though. That's Yeah, but when you look at it like that, it, it becomes really, really big, Right. I look at it if I if I tell you I'm going to put in X Y Z and you're going to get X Y Z, you're not looking at 21 million. You're looking at that ROI. Well, that's what that's how I look at the project, right? So when I go and look at a project, I'm not like, yo, it's 21 million dollars. I'm like, yo, I may make 200 million dollars. Like you get what I'm saying? So yeah. So when I'm looking at it and I'm breaking down the numbers like that, it's a completely different perspective. And again, I don't do it for money. So I think that's another awesome part of it. Now I make a lot of money doing it. Don't get me wrong, but I'm not doing it for the money. I'm doing it because nobody else would step up in these particular communities and do what we're doing because it is a risk. You're risking $21 million in what they call the ghetto, Mm. right? But I believe that's where the um, sweetest spots are. And I believe that's one of the ways you can prevent gentrification is by being able to invest in those communities and keep it economically. Economically. Economically, thank you. you. Yes, economically affordable Mm -hmm. for the individuals within the community. Yo, there was literally, and I got to show it to you. It was a young lady. Uh, Shout out to Talia. If y'all know Talia, reach out to her adult in real estate. Um, She has like 40 acres. And the guy, her her client wants to sell it, but we got to get a um, we got to get a survey, mm-hmm. right? So, but it was like mad trees on there, and I just it seemed to, I want to now now I'm gonna reach out to her like yo, actually let me text you. Yeah, you talking about? I got there. some trees on it. <laughs> you got the head trees on it. I looked at it. It wasn't like super like it wasn't cleared away. So I'm thinking in my head. Okay, it needs to be clean, and then we can build stuff. So that's that's actually the deal, right? You see it. So don't say it out loud, but it's forty acres for this price. Yeah, you trying to get it? Yeah, I want it today. Yeah. Hey, Talia, um, if that if that land is still available, I'm gonna call you in just a second. All right. Well, and yeah, I'm gonna call you today. 
Okay. But we got to get a survey first, right? Yes, but I mean, you can do all that during your due diligence period. But right. that's the right price. Yeah. And it was cheaper than that because it was cheaper than that if we closed, like, soon, cash, right? But it's like $75,000 cheaper than that. Mm. But it was like, yo, we got to get a... I was talking to Ramon. Mm-hmm. He's like, yo, you got to get a survey mm-hmm. because you can wind up buying some land and you can't do anything at all with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's true, right? No, it's very true. And you got to get dirt samples and different things like that if mm. you're developing a community. But you can figure all that out, you know, during due diligence. Mm. Secure the deal. I like how you did that. Yeah. You like, I want that today. <laughs> yeah, secure the deal. It's a no-brainer. What's the worst that can happen? You got underground pipes. You got to, you know, you can't build on it. Well, he have to keep his land. The best thing is it's nothing underground. It passed all the soil tests and the topo and all, everything that needs to be done. And you move forward to closing. Mm. I mean, that's 40 acres. How much to take down all them trees, though? 40 They're acres just... and a mule. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So, okay, that's going to be yeah. the land. I'm going to build my ghetto. It's like a... David, David. I'm going to build the project building, right? But we're going to empower people. So we're gonna empower people around it. And then it'd be like a filtration system. Or we sell it for rent, right? We, we try to rent it. But then we gentrify the community with our own ginger. You know what I mean? So, like, we get the people, they can buy the units that they live in after we empower them through entrepreneurship and business and all that kind of stuff in this community. So, I, I so you want to build I projects. Think I solve the problem. You want to you build projects. Yeah, it's like, it's like building prisons. It's not building prisons. Well, what are you building? I'm building a place where underserved communities, or not underserved, I'm just using stuff I heard. <laughs> I'm using, I'm building a place where people who don't have the finances, they might be in government assistant, assistance, can stay, mm-hmm. but we empower the people mm-hmm. in this building. Because mm-hmm. right now, when you build those I projects, mean, we have projects all around the world. I mean... Oh, so I could just build stuff around the project. Yeah, you, yeah. Like, we ain't lacking on housing. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, maybe the homeless... Part, portion aspect is lacking. But when you come to, you know, the um, Section 8, I mean, they receive, you know, millions and millions of dollars a year. Every time the president, you know, sign a piece of paper, it's it's to be able to provide that um, that assistance to the government. I believe that we, like you said, empower them, but teach them ownership. Because as long as you keep them there, there's no ownership. They have no decisions. Everybody will always make decisions for them and they'll never be able to make a decision for themselves. I believe if you do not own, then you pretty much basically like homeless in a sense. One stream of income is almost none, you know, and I really believe that. So if I say, you know, yeah, David, let's do this, but let's not do a project. Let's Let's be able to work with the housing program to see how many people they have on their list that's ready to transition into affordable, economy-friendly housing, Mm -hmm. right? That we build for them and teach them how to sustain their mortgage and teach them lifestyle, um, um, I would say lifestyle um, living, right? A lot of them don't even know how to budget. A lot of them don't know what a personal financial statement is. A lot of them- You got to teach them in the ghetto, man. That's <laughs> get them out. 
yeah, you can go there now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I can't just get, I need to just go out there like, hey, y'all. Yeah. We're doing a financial literacy workshop right in the front of this project building. Yeah. You Hold know, I, I believe, I do believe that there's a need for it, mm-hmm. right? I just, I personally don't believe I'm the person to go build projects. You know, I come out of them. I just, I just know the stigma and um how the mindset, it's just when you're around it every day, all day, it's almost like you conform to it. Mm-hmm. You become very comfortable and you don't really see a reason to leave that situation. And for me, I believe if we remove them while educating them and teaching them, then they say, like me, I had to be removed from the situation to see that there was better. You're trying to take me out a place where I know everybody, you know, everybody know me. We chilling and rocking or whatever the case may be. I literally had to leave. Now, I didn't go to Beverly Hills, right? I just left the middle of the situation and I was able to look from the outside in and say, oh, I want more. I want better. And I was able to do that. I just think building another project, the the moment you say that, you know how it's going to go from there. Yeah. And you got to wait on the government as well for the money too. And I, I don't like to wait. True. I, you know what? I guess, and now that I'm thinking about it, it's a really good idea, right? And, um, but that's not something that takes two or three years to change a people's mindset. Right. How do you, I guess that would be the plan because you could build a nice facility, but the people that come from this environment, all they know is, let's say, destruction or, oh, that looks like an opportunity not to learn and grow, but to take something. Mm -hmm. And then maybe I'll be... What's up, podcaster or soon-to-be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back, and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you, rub shoulders with industry leaders and you got to network with other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. 
How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code BIGDEAL, It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people t- listening to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you no, right now yet you got time no pressure you get us back but use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free so don't wait so secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country join us july 4th and 5th in atlanta let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality y'all head over to podcastsummit.com use promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights take your brand to new heights take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer okay i'll see you at the summit and don't forget to use promo code big deal frustrated with my own people in that situation but it's because that's all they know Mm mm-hmm so it's not like putting on a workshop and, you know, people are growing and developing. Right. First, you got to change how to get them to want to grow and develop. The hearts and the mind. That's where you start. How do you do that? The hearts and you the know? mind. So whenever we did Madeline Cove, we knew that we were going to need allies within the community. And Madeline Cove is your... Yeah, that's the community, community. that we're building in right now, yeah. right? So we didn't just go in there um, and be like, oh, we're building this. I literally, me went door to door and was talking to people. It's like, hey, this is what I'm doing. You know, I'm bringing ownership into the communities, you know. Um, And I had so many people that was like, oh, I've always wanted to buy a house. I just didn't know how. Been living in the same rental property, David, for 20 years. They didn't know how to buy a house. Mm. Working at the hospital in the cafeteria. Been having the same job for over a decade, right? Those are the kind of people that I'm interested in being able to help have ownership and show them the ways. You know, they living in these disgusting rental properties where, you know, you got a hole in the ceiling and, you know, whatever the case may be. You know, um, you got a duck and all this stuff. Like, those are the people I'm interested in helping um, bring out of a, a bad situation into one that they can simply be proud of. So we have a family that's moving into one of the houses. She's a single mom. She's been working for the city for years. She don't make much money, um, but she has had a stable income. And when she walked up to the property, I seen her fall and her kids picked her up. Like, I just thought, yo, she fell at new construction site. I'm thinking liability. You know mm, what I'm saying? Like, right. you okay. But what I realized when I got closer to her was that she didn't just fall. She went down to thank God with tears in her eyes because she never thought she'll be able to find a home. She said before Madeline Cole, she'd been looking for three years. Mm. And everything she was looking at would keep her in the same type of housing she in now. So why should she move? Wow. You know, and so to witness that with a single mother and her kids, I thought that was beautiful. That's amazing. It is. So, okay, now I guess let's help these people because you have, 
you've been on both sides, right? Mm-hmm. So where your government assistance of absolutely nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to providing opportunities for other people and you're living. I don't even know if, did you imagine this, what you'd be doing right now? Did you ever no. think this would be your life? No, 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 not at all. Like I never, like I was never like, oh, like I'm gonna be this real estate developer or anything like that. I think my life went through stages and I believe God had to prepare me for the next door that was gonna be open because I just didn't see clearly there, right? So when I got to um, Lafayette after Hurricane Katrina, I just knew that I needed something to start making money. So I got into real estate. So then once I passed that exam after seven times, right? (laughs) After I got into real estate, I realized, man, these brokers are pimps. They pimping the real estate agents, right? They take their money. You know what I'm saying? They like, give me 50%. They sitting behind their desk. So I had a problem with that. So then I was like, what if I create a broker friend, I mean, an agent friendly um, brokerage. And then I went out and started Cache Real Estate. So then after I started Cache Real Estate, I started working with more investors. So I wouldn't be the type of broker that would take business from my agents. Well, mm-hmm. when I started working with investors, I started seeing... Oh, so you're saying I'm only going to work with investors. I'm not working with single family and stuff like that because I'm my agent. Right. That is some leadership right there. Right. And so um, when I started working with investors, I started seeing how much money they was making. But what really got me was when the attorney gave me the wrong real estate folder. Right. So I had did everything for this dude at his property, David. Like, I mean, the paint, the contractors, I was there every day, all day. Um, I did all the design. I did everything. And then when we go to closing, I had just got my 3% commission and he was getting whatever dollar amount at the time. I didn't know it was five figures I was making him. So when the attorney gave me his folder, which he thought it was my folder, that right there was like, yo, I can't keep working for peanuts. Like, I'm not ungrateful, but I do know if I'm doing all this, then I should be entitled to at least 50 percent of that. And that went from me working with investors. I lost all my investors except one. And then after that, we started building and I saw how much they were doing in building and how they would only build on one side of town. I'm like, yo, let's go build over here. And nobody did. So then I was like, well, what if I start building over here? And then I was like, after I start building, then development came. What if I can birth, you know, out an entire community where it has been placed in an area that has been completely forgotten about and abandoned. What if I make this beautiful again? What if I give people a reason to want to drive to this side of town? What if I give, you know, what if, right? And that right there took me to the White House. It wasn't because I purposely like, was like, you know, I'm doing all it is, right? It just, what if, what if I go and do this? You know, and I never told myself, oh, you can't do it, right? I never said, oh, I need to get permission from somebody. I didn't sit around waiting for people to approve it. I just did it. Mm. And and now you see what you see. I love it. All right, so let's 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 give some steps for somebody. Let's say they make I don't know thirty forty thousand dollars a year. Um, how do we how do we get into the first home? How do we do yeah. that? So let me say this: thirty to forty thousand is pretty good, right? Because I'm 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 trying to get people into a home that's making twenty to twenty five thousand. Really? Yes. Yes. And so, oh, yeah. so how we do that? Let's yeah. say somebody makes 20,000. Yeah. How you do that? Yeah. So the first thing you do is, you know, you want to stay on your job consistent, right? At least a year to a year and a half, two years is really sweet. You know, file your tax returns. Don't sit there. If you got to, you know, um, catch up or amend or whatever, do that now. Okay. Cause you will need your tax returns. Um, that's the first thing. The second thing I would say is, 
focus on your credit. Okay. Like credit is so important. Like nobody never taught me how important credit was until I realized, you know, um, trying to open up a bank account. They're like, yo, your credit bad. I didn't even know you need credit for a bank account. You know what I'm saying? But at that point in time, it was bad. So I couldn't get a bank account. And so I think that it's important to know what your credit is. You only need really a 620 to get financing for a real estate residential property. Mm. FHA, if you look it up, their law states 580. Now, with a 580 credit score, it's very hard to get a loan because a lot of lenders don't want to work with 580 because that usually means you've been having challenges somewhere mm -hmm. along the way. But with the 580, if you had 10% to put down and let's just say 10% on $100,000 is $10,000, well, then you may be able to get into a home with a very low credit score. I call it buying your way into a house at mm -hmm. that point, mm -hmm. right? Um, but after your um, after you focus on your credit score, you get it reasonably to 620. It don't need to be 700 or 650. But once you get your credit score um, good, then you go speak to a loan officer, you know, and then they'll say, oh, look, you know, you qualify for X, Y, Z. You've been on your job for a certain amount of time. Look like you got, you know, a good you got good history. So let's try it out. You want to find a realtor that you know and trust. For buyers, it's free to use a realtor. You don't got to pay them nothing. Mm -hmm. So they're going to work very hard to put you in a real estate property. Once you find a good realtor that you have a good relationship with and you find a property, you're going to close on the property. You, and then from there, don't just stop there. You have ownership. You have a taste of it. Do it again. You know, and if you're single, I recommend you buying a fourplex, Okay. Um, and or a duplex anywhere from two to four units. If you're single and, and you don't have no children or anything, I wouldn't buy a house first. I would buy four units. The reason why is because it puts you in good standing with the bank instantly. The reason why is because um, in order to become an investor with a bank and get their money, they want to know if you have experience. Well, yes, I own a fourplex. I live in one unit. I run out the other three. I'm familiar with the maintenance. I'm familiar with how to handle tenants. I'm familiar with whatever the case may be, right? So now you just created experience mm. with that. Yeah, hold on real quick. So, you know, I got the I got the three units mm -hmm. in uh, Louisiana. Thank you, Terrica. So, I have my, so for, for one, we did. And that, that one flip we did goes on my record, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm talking yes. about. All right, so we did a we did a flip. Well, Tarek did the flip. Really. <laughs> I just put up somebody, and it worked out. And I think I might have, I don't know, maybe put up thirty thousand. It came back fifty one or something like that. I don't know. It was it was really good. And, and then I bought. I have three units in Louisiana right now, which your company manages, mm -hmm. which is cool. But I can take that to the bank and say, look, I did a flip. I have three units. Obviously, I got the building that we're building right now and I can say, hey, give me some money. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. You have the experience. I didn't you even think about that. You have everything. Yes. Yes. And so for our first time home buyer, this is the sweetness. You can literally use a regular loan. You don't need a commercial loan. You can literally put down 3.5% on an FHA loan and qualify to be able to buy up to four doors. So let's, well, where are you going to get four doors from? A fourplex? Yeah. Okay, think outside of Atlanta. We got them all over in Louisiana. I'm just saying, okay, and I'm sure like in other low-line states. What, fourplex? Yeah. David, you already own a house. I know, but we I want some more. I yes. want to be like you when I yes. grow up. What you mean? Oh, oh, I think satisfied. you're talking about for your primary residence. I'm yeah, talking about for their primary residence. You're saying as a home buyer, where can oh, they start? Okay. I, I see, I yeah. see, I see. Okay. Yeah. But so let me absolutely. give me a price on, let's just say, yeah, I guess Atlanta is just is different, but yeah. 
How much, how much, let's just give an example. How much do you think you can get a fourplex in a mm. not popping, not Atlanta, New York, something like that? Okay, I can tell you that. But let me just say, with that deal, that's why I would have been in that deal that you just showed me on your phone. Because I know Atlanta, and if that's anywhere within the proximity, that's mm-hmm. a no-brainer. Okay, back. now back to the topic, though. Yeah, go for it. <laughs> well, let me see. Let me just make sure. Uh, but um, so um, I'll tell you this. In my marketplace, you can get a fourplex anywhere from $100,000 to $150,000. All right, look, I know you're enjoying the episode, but I got to tell you, finally, you asked for it and we created a Patreon. Okay, we created an inner circle. We have amazing stories, amazing information, how to's from the episodes. The only thing we're missing is a community. So it's about that time. We put together a Patreon. We put together a community because we have to have conversation around the information. So even this podcast we're listening to right now. There needs to be conversation. I want to hear what you got. I want to hear what you got. Like, let's throw some stuff back and forth. And because we're a like-minded, we're all going in the same direction. When we connect, connect in a community, we can connect on other stuff outside the community because we're building real relationships. Okay. So check out the Patreon. We got three tiers. I don't care what tier you join. Um, the support is, um, the support is appreciated. Okay. Thank you so much. Now back to the episode. From what? A hundred thousand to one hundred and fifty thousand. So let's say a hundred thousand dollars for four plus, mm-hmm. and you put down three point five percent. So you save three thousand dollars or four thousand mm-hmm. dollars. You can get in. Mm-hmm. And how much do you think you can rent those other units for? I would say about five hundred. Two bedrooms, one baths. They usually, you know, four plexes is two bedrooms, one baths, or you may get all ones. Depends on you know the number of bedrooms you get. But let's just say they're all two ones, right? Um, anywhere from five hundred to six hundred and fifty dollars, depending on the area and location. And I said one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, so it's not going to be like in Beverly Hills, right? Mm-hmm. But it's also not going to be in the gutter, gutter, you know. So you mm. you make pretty good income. One unit will pretty much pay your mortgage. Once your mortgage is paid, the other two units is cash flowing you. You just created an extra stream of income of a thousand dollars just by buying correctly. Mm. So where where are these units at? Like Louisiana, where else? Like they got um, Detroit's good too, right? So I'm not familiar with Detroit Marketplace, but what I will say is I looked at um, I looked at a deal in. Um, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was right outside of Louisiana, um, Alabama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I've seen them in Alabama and I've seen them in Mississippi um, and Louisiana. Mm. Okay. Okay. Um, I should have did that. <laughs> when I was sitting in a yeah. <laughs> yeah. Even not even being single, you can have a family with a fourplex. Well, yeah. I mean, if you got one kid, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And you're in a two bedroom. But I think you know, if you got more than one kid, maybe okay. you can do a duplex and find a three bedroom, two bath unit or something sure, like that sure. and then make it work. All right. So we get a duplex or quad or something mm-hmm. like that. What do we do with this extra money that's cash flowing? Right. So um, I always like to say, you know, investing should be a part of your lifestyle. Like there's never a day that I don't make an investment. You should invest every single day. If you spend every single day, you should invest every single day. Mm. And so um, find some type of portfolio um, that's performing well, that maybe you can put that extra cash flow in. Um, Maybe you can put it into um, 
you know, um, a, a real estate crowdfunding platform that's, you know, reliable or whatever and um, be able to grow it that way. You can put it into crypto. You can do, I would say, find a mentor in wherever you want to invest and ask them what is the best way to put this extra thousand dollars away a month in and go from there. Got it. Got it. There's a good formula getting people from where they are mm-hmm. to actually like getting in the game. Absolutely. Let me ask you a question. Do mm-hmm. you do lending? <laughs> no. You don't? No. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. What about a deal for you? Um, I'll partner with you. What does that mean? What would that look like? Me bringing up money and having ownership in the deal. Mm, so you just don't, you wouldn't just lend? Mm-mm, I like equity. I like equity. <laughs> so there's a building that I want. So I'm, I'm building one right now. So it's a podcasting studio. But I looked at one yesterday and I really, really want it. Like it's a big event space and I want to build out like a talk show set. Mm-hmm. And not only like where people can do TED Talks, events, because it's not the ones that they, we have in Atlanta, they're always all booked out. But yeah. I just saw this space. It's like 16,000 square feet. Nice. So it's a million dollars. And how do you suggest I, how do you, how do you suggest I go get it? Because it seems like it's going to be like a, a tough thing going through the bank. But my, my thought was. Why would it be tough? I don't know. I don't know. It's just, just banks are weird. I went to the guy yesterday and he said, some lady's going to call me. She didn't call me. And every time I talk to them, it's just weird. But anyway, my here's my thought process. If it's a million dollars, and let's say I put down 25%, 250000 mm-hmm. I feel like somebody should give me seven. I feel like you should give me 750000 Yeah. For some you, equity, yeah. Would you do that? Yes, I don't mind. Oh, With that's equity, equity in, the, in the business too. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Uh, you know what? I might be feeling that. You should. I might be feeling that. You should. So, so we would both own the building? Well, it depends on what we negotiate. I'm a very solid partner. I like that. And I, was going, <laughs> I, I was actually going to call one of my friends, but he ain't silent. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. none of my friends, especially in Atlanta, they're not yeah. silent. You yeah, know what I'm mean? super just, silent. Yeah, I'm a show. I'm a show. And you know, I believe in you. You know, I'm already kicking myself for the other deal. So, oh yeah, because we're supposed to. Yes, you're right. I'm actually. I'm gonna show you. I'm gonna. We're waiting on like comps and stuff like that. But this is like what the building looks like. So it was that will like change all that. But it got a whole upstairs and all that. Used to be a church. It used to be a church. It used to be like a basketball church. But now it it was a church, and the bank owns it now. The bank owns it, so it's foreclosed. Yeah. Oh, we yeah, can just, yeah, I mean, the bank own it. They want to get it off their books. Right. The thing is, he said it's under contract right now, but he said the contract is real shaky. Mm-hmm. So he said, yo, if it's a cash offer. He the said banker put, said it's real shaky. That, that's what the realtor said. He was mm-hmm. like, it's just real shaky. You're not sure if it's closing or not. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about it. Man, what? two deals in one day. You moving, David. Let's, let's talk, talk about <laughs> it, man. I'm an, I'm an investor. I'm trying to invest every day. Yeah. I mean, of course. <laughs> All right. Um. All right, so let's, let's let's get into like the real estate re- development side. This is supposed to be a short episode, Terrica. <laughs> <laughs> well, bring people back. It's supposed to be like a short episode, but this is so good. All right, so the the real estate investment side. Mm-hmm. Let's say I got a little job or I have a business. I got a couple of dollars. Right. And I want to get into the real estate game because mm-hmm. I just realized today you put, I'm in the game. Yeah, yeah I'm out here. Yeah. Okay, so how, how does you somebody... You streets. I'm out here. <laughs> so, got a little portfolio and everything. You know what I mean? 
or portfolio. How does how does someone start investing in real estate? How do we get in the game? What was I going to so, put in there? So I'll say this: you say a little change. Give me an example. Um, how much do I need to buy to buy my first investment property? Around about depends on the city, I suppose. Depends on the industry. So. I mean, wholesalers use nothing to get into the game, right? Other than marketing dollars and, you know, um, their signs or whatever the case may be. Um, I would say this. I, I bought my first rental property for $5,000. I like to speak on what I started with, you know. So what got me started was my income tax return <laughs> that I needed. And um, instead of buying a car, I well, know some people take their income tax and buy a car every I had, year. I had 10 payday loans that I really needed to pay at this time, like very badly. What? And yes, I would literally drive from one payday loan company to the next, to the next, to the next. Like, I'm serious. Like, they would be like, you know, like, I mean, just giving me a haircut with these fees. And wow. I just was like, you know what? They just, they gonna have to come and chase me. Like, I never wanted to be chased. Like, you know what I'm saying? But I'm like, I have to do this. And so um, I didn't even know I could buy a property for $5,000. So it wasn't like I just knew the property and I was making like this tough decision. I just knew that I was putting this money on a property. And I believe that's why I'm so rewarded with, you know, um, the risk I take because I... I believe it before it even take place. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So for me to have that $5,000 and allocate it to a property, I just didn't know what that property looked like. Now that property ugly as hell, but I still got that property. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's and still, it's yeah, rented. Yeah. It, oh, it's stay rented. I don't like, and the tenants love it. Like my assistant be like, I can't believe they like this ugly house. You know, um, Dang. But it was and my when, first start. When did you get it? When did you get it? Um, uh, ooh, um, back in 2012, around that time. Dang. Yeah. And that joint been cash flowing since 2012. Oh, oh it paid me back all my money. And yeah, I'm, yeah, I love that little house. I bet you do. You know, I go pass by and smile and be like, thank you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, you know, for me, I started with my tax return. I think you have to start with what you have and stop holding on to it mm -hmm. so tight. Because the I think for me, being a child of an addict, right? My mother was an addict and I never ever wanted to become addicted to anything that would hurt me. And payday loans were hurting me. You know, um, being in financial debt was hurting me um, just as much as it was hurting when she left us in, house, in the house for days at a time, right? So for me, I never wanted to um, feel like I was in that position again. And so you have to take what you have and believe that you're going to be able to multiply it, you know? Um, and I think we spend way more money on other crazy things. I believe we should take that money and just, you know, believe in ourselves. Even if it's your last $3,000, I didn't have $5,000 to put in that property. I made that $5,000 go there, mm. you know? And I think that that's important for people to understand. Yeah, that might be all you have, but what if? What if this, you know, pop off for you? And the other thing is this, if you have a consumer mindset, that little money you holding on to will be consumed. Yeah. It will go to a creditor. A it fact. will go to, you know, whatever it is that you consume. So why not try to break that and become a producer? Gotcha. Mm, okay. Listen, first off, you have, and you put a lot into, you You put out the, what's the website for the course? First off, <laughs> I know you just put together, I want to call this girl real quick because. Yeah. <laughs> He's still thinking about the deal. It's bothering me right now. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I feel like I should have capitalized. Yeah. Well, I, I, was, I was moving on it, but it's all them trees. It scared me. <laughs> and 
there was a sign that said um, the tree scared the him. government the sewer was there or something like that and she was like um, I don't know hopefully she pick up because we're going to put another contract today yes yeah. I feel more comfortable now. You know what I mean? This is like this big decision. I was trying to figure it out. I'm sure she'll call me back if she wants to. David, that is not a big decision. That's a no-brainer. That's See, a no-brainer. I should have called you. Please you Okay. But anyway, okay. So you you got a you got a course where you put all the how to invest in real estate. Tell me about mm-hmm. it. What's in it? Yeah, so Invest You um, course is made of two modules, right? The first part is where I had to start um, and I had to break being a consumer. I think that's one of the hardest things ever is to break that mindset up. And so it's not just, oh, let's talk about your mindset. Let's give you motivation. No, let's find the money you have with you right now. And so it literally combs through your finances. It gives you a true bill of what it is it costs for you to be you. And once you find out how much it costs to be you, all that extra spending needs to go into the investment category. The problem is majority of people don't create investment categories. Mm -hmm. So I teach you how to create an investment category by combing through the actual bank account that you have, your money that you spend, and I find money for you. Then you have to go on punishment for the next 12 months. So throughout the course, you're on punishment for 12 months. Hold on, this ain't get rich quick? (laughs) No, no, no. No, the transfer of Those wealth. Those are the courses that sell, yeah. though. Well, okay. well, let me just say this. The you should have just told them, uh, like, first off, I'm going to teach you how to get the money, and then you flip it, and then next month, you an investor. Yeah, I wish it happened for me like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> it just didn't, you know? And other people, I guess, more favorable. I don't know. But for me, you know, um, I give what I went through and how I took myself from homeless under a bridge to a self-made millionaire. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to give you no steps I didn't really do. Um, I'm going to give you what I did. I had to clean Terrica Lynn Smith up. I had to become a better um, producer of what I had and not a consumer. And so I teach you that through um, phase one of Invest You. And then in phase two, we get to the, the meat and potatoes. What type of industry you want to be in? Real estate is like an octopus. Legs all over the place, right? You can literally, you know, grab onto any leg and, you know, run with it. I recommend you start with a smaller leg, maybe a rehab or one rental property, like I did one rental property, or you start with, you know, um, something where it's not like a whole lot of risk, but it's able to get your feet wet, you know? Um, and also part two talks about your exit plan. It talks about personal financial statements. It teaches you how to prepare yourself for generational wealth because what you're doing, yeah, you're sitting at the table now, but you still got to remember there's other empty seats that have to be filled. For me, that's my downline. That's my legacy. So I got to make sure my children understand this process as well. So I teach you how to do it with your family and not just by yourself. Mm, I love it because you've definitely helped me and I, you build out my portfolio. Yeah, we're still building. I need we're more. We're still building. Yeah. Yes, I need more. Yeah. You're telling me I need. Yeah, let's go. You got, another, <laughs> you got more deals? Because this one's working out well. Well, I want that one you just showed me on your phone. Well, there we have it. Yeah. There we have it, ladies and gentlemen. We got to finish this episode so we can get to this business because mm-hmm. that one, it's going to be lit. I'm excited. It's about to be crazy. Yeah. And they got a, it's a house across the street that's for sale in the neighborhood. It ain't like super thriving like that. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I'm like, I'm going to just get that house. And then the house next to that look like it's for sale too. So, so you know, um, just to put this into perspective, you know. Um, three acres. Uh-huh. Three acres, plenty of parking. Oh, no, no. So sitting on 40 acres, 
Oh, you're talking about the land. Yeah, yeah. Right now, I'm talking about that land. Sitting on 40 acres, um, appreciation is between 12 to 14% right now. So this time next year, with appreciation, property values is still going to be going up. So you got to ask your... (laughs) So if you just sit and chill and don't even decide to develop right now, like I own um, a lot of acres of land in Louisiana that's just sitting there. You know, we keep it up, we maintain it. And um, when we decide to build or develop something on it, we, you know, we go... So you just start acquiring acres just in case. Uh, Yeah, I believe in a Queen Elizabeth model. Yeah. What's that? Own a lot of acres. Who's Queen Elizabeth? Joe don't know. <laughs> I'm, trying to, I'm trying to educate you, brother. The Queen of England? The Queen of England. My bad. I'm sorry. Don't shake your head at me. You judging me? I didn't know. She, I mean, she owned more real estate than um, McDonald's. I mean, and I mean, and the Catholic churches. I mean, she, she owns a lot. Dang. Yeah, you know, so, um, and it sits there and it's beautiful and people go visit it and look at it. And so, you know, um, they're not making it no more. So um, New Orleans is very limited on land inside the city. Mm. You know, that's why, you know, um, our little boat shaped lots, you know, across the arm and two legs, mm. you know, in Atlanta, they're not making land no more. So it's best to have it and hold on to it and use it when you're ready and or sell it at a premium. Mm. The investment, man, this is what people have to get. The investment is the land. It is not the infrastructure that is on top of it. It is the dirt itself. Everything up under this is what's important, not what we're sitting in. All right. Um, we're all going to buy more real estate, right? Yes? <laughs> yes. Okay, good, good. good. All right, so where, where, do, where do people find the course? What's the website? Investucourse.com. Is there, can we have a discount for social proofers? Yes, whatever David say, because you know I'm not going to put them So promo code social proof. I don't know. I don't know what the discount is going to be, but just go and it'll be a discount. So social proof, just hit your people and yep. tell them to make a little little promo code. Yep. Um, this is very informative. Thank you. At first, I wanted to build a ghetto and now I don't. And I just want to go to a project, build it and build some stuff around it. But now I'm nervous. <laughs> Because I'm thinking I'm just about saying it. I wouldn't be with you, you know what I'm saying? You wouldn't, you wouldn't rock with me on that? Joe might. You wouldn't? Come on, Joe. You, yeah, teach, Joe. you teach mental health and mental wellness, brother. We need that in our community. But I'm with Tarek. I'm do. not trying to build another hood, though. Yes, thank you. It's, we don't, that's tearing down people's mental health now. Yeah. The hood, I mean, <laughs> forget, it. forget it all right anyway all right so uh you said invest you yes invest you course.com so i-n-v-e-s-t-u the letter u the letter u course course.com okay and you put in there like what, what who is this course perfect for this course is perfect for number one, anybody who's going through financial hardships right now. Cause I like to focus on that first, right? Just like, I'm just trying to figure out how I can make, you know, more money. I believe we all have it. We just don't know what we put it at. So um, it's for those people, it's for people that want to get started in real estate. It's for experienced um, real estate investors that's wanting to grow their portfolio to the next level, you know, um, and you just may feel comfortable where you at and you don't know how to do the next level. Like this course is meant for everybody around. And then also like my daughter who's 17 years old and actually doing this, you know what I'm saying? You can bring your children to be a part of this. Yeah. So it's important to make sure the whole family, it's a whole family effort, you know? That's crazy because she'd be finding properties and oh, all that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like she, she's flipping. Oh yeah. That's she's crazy. on it. Oh yeah. She's definitely on it. Yep. 
That's yeah. amazing. Amazing. So thank, thank you so much, Jerrica, for uh, actually flying in um, to Atlanta to, to pour into me. Oh, thank and my friends, of course. You pour into me equally. <laughs> yes, man. A lot. Yeah, because we're going to get rich. Yeah. Even more rich together. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wealthy. Yeah. Wealthy. Yeah. Let's go. All right, so do you have, um, let everybody know how to find you, and then you got to close us out with a word of wisdom. Okay, perfect. Um, so you guys can find me on all social media platforms at Terrica Lynn Smith. Um, everything is Terrica Lynn Smith. And what I'll leave you guys with is this. Um, poor people buy liabilities that make the rich rich through assets. Mm. So every, think about it. Every time you buy a liability, it's making the rich person richer because it's their asset. Once I understood that, I was like, what am I doing? So just always keep that in mind. Make sure you invest in, in the asset and not the liability. There it is. Listen, we can't close it out no better than that, man. Do yourself a favor, okay? Go get you, first off, follow Terrica right now. Right now, pull out your phone. Y'all following her? Are you following? Are you are you following? Pick up your phone. Follow her, bro. <laughs> Terrick Smith right now, okay? You will not be sorry. Um, but next, go get you some social proof, okay? Meaning go build something. Document the process, but then you got to bring it back to your community and teach the people in your community how yes. you did what you did, okay? We are out of here. Peace. If you like this clip, do yourself a favor. Subscribe to the podcast. Go to your Spotify. Go to your Apple app and just hit the follow button. Leave a review. That's the way you can support this podcast, all right? Thank you. David Chance presents to you the morning meetup. Do you have an idea you need to get off the ground? Are you a small business owner looking to earn supplemental income or replace your current income? Come and join the most amazing mentorship and accountability group for entrepreneurs live with David Shans himself. That's right. This is not pre-recorded and it's not a replay. This is live every morning, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern. In addition to the live calls, you also receive a weekly individual Q&A call, a private Facebook community, access to all call replays and access to David's list of resources and contacts you need to be in an environment of success so head over to themorningmeetup.com today for your one dollar seven day trial that's right just one dollar for seven days of access to the morning meetup take massive action towards manifesting your dreams today themorningmeetup.com